I was at this really fancy um, place last night. Shannon, um, as part of being um, the SIT uh, senior administrator over in Queenstown, is that we we have to go to the business? Uh, not have to. We were invited to go to the business business awards, the Queenstown business awards, which were up the top of Skyline, and um, and it was it was amazing. There were man, there were some there were some incredible people there. Um, I, I managed to talk to one of them, and that was probably as much as my introverted side could. Uh, could handle for the night, and um, but it was amazing to just see um, this group of people. And, and in this in this place, there was um, the um, what was his uh, Barry Thomas, yeah. who um, who actually started or you know was one of the really big facilitators for Skyline Gondolas, like the gondolas and um, the casino, and you know he was the chairman for Skyline got Skyline for a long long time in that. And it was really interesting because. Um, um, he was a pioneer, but he was the fir- one of the first pioneers in Queenstown and was the one that um, turned, uh, helped to turn Queenstown into the, the way that it is today. So, like, all the tourism that happens, you know, in one way or another, they're building on the legacy that this person has. And it got me to, it got me to thinking, and um, we actually... And so this is at the end of... So he comes he come down in 1969, and it's only really sort of been in the last 20 years that the vision that he saw came to pass. Does that make sense? So for 30 years, Queenstown was still a farming territory, you'd occasionally have batches, tourism wasn't really a thing, there was one or two really small pieces of tourism. You imagine having a 50-year vision for an area. And I was sort of thinking about that. It's really interesting because quite, um, I think I mentioned a couple of, a couple of weeks ago that... Um, we don't know where our seed goes sometimes. We don't know, you know, what's going to be good and what's going to be bad. And I, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm actually a pretty terrible gardener. I'm a, I'm a horrible gardener. Um, my, my idea of gardening is to um, go to the supermarket and buy the produce from there. You know, I can tell the, the difference between a good carrot and a bad carrot some of the time, all right? <laughs> um... um but the great thing is, is that, um, and the thing that I've sort of realised is that, um, as Christians, we're seed planters. And I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that you know I, I really we don't curse the seed. Like it's important not to curse the seed. It's important not to not to look at the seed and go, "You're tiny. You're you're never going to amount to anything." And so um, the thing that I was thinking about was like, um, if we're wanting to grow church, and that's something that we want to do. Now, whether it's little church with a little seed. You know, so our church is little church with a little C. It's just one representation of the body of Christ. It's just a part of the body of Christ. Or even better, big church, capital C. So it doesn't matter if we win or Bob down the road, uh, Bob down the road wins or Bob two hours up the road wins. If any of us win, we're all winning. Yes, yeah, right. Okay? And so for us, we're, we want to be a, a, a seed planting church. As Christians, we want to plant seed. Now, what does that look like? If we're going to choose to plant seed, I don't know about you, but as a gardener, or as a non-gardener, <laughs> I'm not going to start with um, probably courgettes. Courgettes are fairly difficult, to, um, fairly difficult to grow for a start, or cucumbers is probably a good idea too. If you plant them too early, it just turns to nothing. If you plant them too late, you just get these beautiful flowers. Um, if you plant them at just the right time. 
But you have to understand that there's actually seed that we can plant, that it doesn't matter what ground it goes into. In fact, it's not even our, um, it's not even our um, problem to decide whether the ground's good or not. That's not actually our job. Our job's actually just to plant seed. So I guess the, the, the question that I have for you today is what seed are you planting? What seed are you planting? What things are you, what things are you putting out into the world? What, what ground are you throwing seed at? So if we're wanting to grow church, big church, we need to plant seeds wherever we go. We need to grow people and we need to feed community. Okay, so that's the basis for my message today. I've got grow church, plant seeds. Plant seeds... Grow people, feed community. Okay, um, Carl Lentz is a great guy. Um, you'll probably know him as the the past the hipster pastor looking dude that um, that uh, recently had like an interview with Oprah, mm-hmm. which kind of make, immediately makes him a big deal. In the same way as soon as Oprah talks about a book club, but anyway, he's he's in Hillsong, he's Hillsong, New York. We went and saw him at a conference a, a, a couple of years ago, and uh, some of the stuff that he said really stuck with me, and I think I'll, I'll use some of, the, some of his stuff as a basis for today. One of the things that he said is that the casualty to a growing church is personal comfort. Okay? If we're, if we're a growing church or we're wanting to grow the body of Christ, one of the things that will happen is there'll be less space for us. Yeah. We'll get to the point where this is going to be too small. So the casualty to a growing church is personal comfort, but if it was never about you, you'll be fine. So as Christians, one of the things that we're doing is that, I don't know about you guys, but Jesus changed my life. Like literally changed my life, changed the destination that I was going, changed the way that my life would have gone, changed the legacy that I should have and could have had as a result of my upbringing, my parents, where I grew up, and a whole range of other, the decisions that I made and a whole range of other things. So the thing is, is that if Jesus changed my life, then one of the things that we need to do is we need to get out of our own comfort zone. And if, if, he, if, we, if someone pointed Jesus, uh, us to Jesus, one of our jobs is to plant that seed and point other people to Jesus. Um, I had this friend at school, his name was Ben. We used to call him Bubba because he was, you, you know how you've got that friend that you always make fun of? Or is that just my friend's group? No. <laughs> if you're not sure who that, were, that was, it was, it was probably you. <laughs> um, and he was a great guy. And um, he, there was a point at school where he actually just um, started to become really interested in spiritual things. Like He became really interested. And just over the course of a heap of conversations, he got to the point where he was, just, um, he was getting ready to come to church. He was asking us about youth and stuff like that. And, um, and this is the course of like maybe two or three months. So every time we had a conversation, we just made sure it was a great conversation. I had this other friend who was a great guy, passionate, passionate guy, loved people, just wanted to see people saved, like he was a passionate guy. And um, it got to the point, we're literally talking about, hey, youth groups tonight, love for you to come along. And, um, and um, we'll call this guy Matthew, because that was his name. Um, and so... <laughs> What happens with me? So he comes up. Like, we're literally, okay, I'll meet you at 7 o'clock. You finish at KFC here because we're in Gore, so KFC was a cool place to work. Um, and um, it was the spiritual heart of the town, let's be honest. Um, and so Matt comes up to Ben and, uh, and goes, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And he literally walked off. And that was it. From that point on, 
we were never able to have a conversation again. Like not, not ever. Like even to this day, he knows that I'm a he knows that I'm a pastor. He knows that I'm doing that stuff. Just can't talk to him. Like literally can't talk to him about it. So that 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 door was shut. Um. I think personally, and it's one of the things that we need to decide, is that we need to move away from making everywhere the spot and start looking at planting seeds wherever you go. Mm, we don't need to hammer in an ideology or theology. I don't know about you, but my theology is not actually 100% stable anyway. And if your theology is 100% stable, you're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if you think you've got it all figured out, Talk to God about that. That'll be awesome. Uh, tell, me how that, tell me how that conversation goes. Um, so this is, this is the thing. So we need to plant seeds, and we need to plant good seeds, so seeds that are actually going to be helpful and encouraging and stuff. Okay? We don't want to force the yield. We don't, we don't force the fruit down people's throats. Here, have a marrow. <laughs> You're a Christian. Well done. All right. Excellent. And I think quite often sometimes we, we treat the gospel like that. We try, to give, we try to give people the whole gospel the whole time. Just a thought. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12 and 13, and I've chosen the message. Okay? It's, part of, it's the part of, part of the end of the love passage that you guys have probably already, already seen. So 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12 and 13, we don't yet see things clearly. Man, what a great statement. If we could just get a hold of that as Christians... It would change our lives and people would see us differently. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do. And I love the message version of it because it becomes an action rather than just characteristics that you possess. But for now, until that completeness, we have three things to do that lead us towards that consummation, that time where us and God are one and the same, like where trust steadily in God, save faith, have faith, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of these three is love. Um, so when I was, I was praying about this, it's like, oh my goodness, okay, so if we're looking at planting seed and seed that's going to take, you know, you know that there's some crops that will take easier than others and are a lot more forgiving, like regardless of the conditions. So we've got these three characteristics here that are like the three unfailing, unswerving things that we can hold on to as cornerstones of our faith. That's actually something that we can plant into other people. That's actually something that we can give other people. If we've got something, we can give it away. Hey, yeah, if I've got measles, <laughs> tag you're it. All right. <laughs> so there's three seeds that will remain. Faith, hope, and love. See, if you begin to plant those seeds into people, it unlocks, potent, uh, it unlocks potential in people that they didn't even realize that they had. If you plant faith into people, faith in something, anything other than themselves, it will release potential in them that they, don't, they didn't even realize that they have. It was my favorite part of youth ministry was planting seeds of encouragement into people, just going, man, you're going to be a great preacher one day. That's what we did with Cam. 
Like Cam was speaking at our at our event, this event that you know we want to go really, really well, and we're praying for, and we've been building up to for for a long time. But he used to stutter, and he was awkward, <laughs> socially awkward. <laughs> hey guys, like that that was Cam as a, as a fourteen year old. But those seeds that you plant into yeah, people, right. they grow over time. Yeah, that's right. We planted faith into him. And so by the age of, by the age of 17, our wee friend Cam was leading the biggest, one of the biggest youth ministries in town. Mm. And it wasn't even on a, it wasn't on a Friday night and it wasn't in a church. He, he, he led a, like a, a lunchtime Christian group of about 75 kids. Mm. And it was at Boys High, so think staunch. Impress me. Like, <laughs> and now he's just doing incredible things for God. Yeah. See, the thing is, is that if we begin to plant that stuff into people, it actually points, points us and points others to the one that has complete faith, complete hope, and is the embodiment of love. Okay? I think sometimes we get the gospel, like we make it far too hard for ourselves. Like the gospel, when it boils down to it, is point people to Jesus and get out of the way. That's, that's literally it. Have you ever noticed that quite, people, quite often people will trip up on your theology or the way that you present Jesus rather than Jesus himself? Like people go, man, Jesus theoretically is, is such a great idea. I just don't like the way, what you said about him there. Okay. So one of the things that we should do is we need to sow faith. Now, we can't, give away, we can't give away what we don't have ourselves, so we need to have faith in order to sow faith. See, how do, we, how do we do that? One of the ways that we can do that is we can prove to people that God exists. We can work in the, the supernatural giftings of God. I think quite often, um, one of the things that we can do, if we pray for people, we should pray, we should pray expectantly, knowing that there'll be change happening. If we're praying for healing, we pray expectantly, know that, knowing that people will get healed, but that confident expectation that God's going to come through for us. Yeah. See, what happens if that's the case, if that becomes a part of your world where the supernatural, where, we, you know, where you're, you're praying for people, believing for healing, believing for miracles, believing for salvation, it gives everyone around you an ever-increasing awareness of the supernatural. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is, the confidence of, uh, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So what does faith do around people? It makes people aware of the world they cannot see. Like, I don't have to have faith that Shannon's there right now. I can see her. Right, Shannon, how are you doing? Okay, don't need any faith for that. We have a fascination with the unseen world. Some of the most popular franchises, whether it's to do with vampires or, you know, whatever, movies, TV series, are copies of the real deal. I think the mistake that we often make as Christians is that we spend too much of our time trying to prove that we're normal when the world searches for a life less ordinary. It's crazy that we live in a world where it's almost mainstream or common practice that people are quite happy believing in astrology, quite happy believing in psychics, quite happy in believing in ghosts, but yet God's the, the hard thing to take a grip of. 
See, the thing is, is that if we hide the supernatural in our lives, we're trying to hide the most compelling thing about our faith. People go, I've I've never met God. If we pray for people that they would feel the presence of God, well, then there's no need for argument anymore. We no no longer need to argue people into heaven. Oh, well, I I felt that. What was that? That was the love of God. That was the peace of God. You begin praying into those situations. You begin step out, stepping out in faith, confidently expecting that God will come through. And the thing is, is either one of two things will happen. Either you'll pray for them and they'll feel that nothing happens. Well, what did they expect originally anyway? Probably nothing. Nothing has changed. It's not like you've made them believe any less in who God is. But we know God is real. We know God is in us. We know God is for us. We know that if we pray, things change. I don't know about you, but I've had prayers that have changed my life. I've had people pray for me, contend for me, intercede for me. And it's changed my life. So either nothing happens and they'll go, oh, thanks for the nice prayer. And they'll know that you care for them. Or something happens and then everything shifts. Yeah, it's So what do we do about it then? It's time to bring our giftings into the workplace. So whatever you've got, you can give it away. Be prophetic. I really, be prophetic. Exhort, which is just another word for words of encouragement, words that build up, words of knowledge and discernment. They're all things that, they're all things that you could immediately use in your workplace, your area, whatever. God, you have a word for this person. What, What is it? Hey, I just really feel at the moment that you're going through some real struggles. Okay. Now, obviously, if you know a lot about the person, like, it'll, just, it'll look like the natural. Mm-hmm. So, God, what does this person need to know right now? Mm-hmm. See, the thing is, is that when heaven invades earth, heavenly reality trumps earthly experience every time. Yeah, good. We can a- either argue forever and ever and ever about whether God is real or not, and that's not, I'm not saying give up that. I'm not saying um, not to discuss, not to do that. But I'm saying that, if they literally experience the power and the presence of God, all the arguments become meaningless anyway. If they encounter God, then you don't have to go through that process anymore. So that's the first thing, is to sow faith into people. Let them understand that there's something more than what they see. And isn't that, isn't that something that we all do anyway? We all know that there's more than what we can see or feel or hear or... So the second thing that we need to do is we need to sow hope, hope into people. So Romans 8.24 says, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? See, the thing is, is that in the world, there's people that are hoping for something that they haven't seen yet. That's, That's the whole point of hope. So if we begin to sow hope into people, it doesn't matter what situation they're in. They could be having the best week or the worst week. If we're sowing hope into them, their week is going to get better. It changes the atmosphere. It changes situations. It changes realities in people. So what does it do? We become the lifter of others' heads. It allows them to look up. So rather than in there, I don't know about you, but... Um, Anytime I'm going through a struggle, my head goes down. This is me walking. I go into introverted mode. If for a moment we have hope, it lifts our head. 
Mm, it gives us a chance to, to, to look beyond ourselves, beyond our situation, and look to the one that can pull us out of whatever situation that we're in. Um, Shane, who was Shannon, was talking about um, Shannon was talking about just before um, who's doing the sports chaplaincy job. So one of the one of the catalysts from um, doing that job, I don't think Shane would mind us telling the story, is that there was a guy that that come along. Um, he'd he'd been connecting and meeting with the person, just sort of encouraging them and chaplaining them and doing studies and you know praying for them and doing all that stuff. And there was this other guy that sort of come in who played for the Stags, mm-hmm. and he's re- he's really upset. Um, just um, because he wasn't getting game time and he was away from family and a whole range of other stuff that's not that's not really relevant to right now. And sort of th- through a couple of different things, um, Shane was able to speak into him. And like a wee bit a wee bit later on, um, after a couple of conversations and um, helping him out with um, some stuff again, it's not not that relevant. Um, the guy said to Shane, "Hey, when when you first come in, there was this light around you." It was like a light had gone on, and I knew, like I knew 100% for sure that I needed to have you in my life, and there was something about you that I needed. Mm. So that's an atmosphere of hope. Yeah, that's, right. that's, good. that's what we carry within us. Yeah, we can bring hope into hopeless situations. Mm. Mm. Um, one, twice, and this is, this is not a frog story, this is um, something else, twice... Um, I've had the privilege of late night conversations that started with suicidal thoughts and ideation and ended up with people coming back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're hope givers. We bring hope to people. We bring peace to people. See, the thing that we have to understand is that a sliver of hope, a sniff of a chance can break a cycle of despondency and depression. One word of hope at the right time breaks the cycle. Mm-hmm. See, the thing that we have to understand is that some of the stuff that we carry, people are hoping for. They need what we have. Uh, C.S. Lewis um, puts it this way. Most people, if they, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. I don't know about you guys, but I've had a period in my life where I've tried to... There's this hole and gap in my life that I've tried to shove with all kinds of things. And it's a bit like putting cotton wool into a wound. It's okay for a minute, but then it makes it worse in the end. Mm-hmm. Isn't that true of all of us, though? Mm-hmm. There, are all, there, are, there are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, that, what, they, what you want, but they never quite keep their promise. At present, we are on the outside, the wrong side of the door. We discern the freshness and purity of morning, but they do not make us fresh and pure. We cannot mingle with the pleasures we see. But all the uh, pages of the New Testament are rustling with the rumour that it will not always be so. Someday, God willing, we shall get in. We will put on glory. I love that idea that you can put on glory. What clothes are you wearing today? That greater glory of which nature is only the first sketch. We do not want to merely see beauty, though God knows even that bounty is enough. We want something else which we can hardly put into words to be united with the beauty that we see, to pass into it, to receive it into ourselves, to bathe in it, to become part of it. I don't know about you, but there's only a hope that there's a hope that can only be found in Jesus. So the third thing that we can do is we can sow love. We can sow love into people. We can love extravagantly. Now the thing that we need to be um, uh, 
aware of is that it's not actually up to us to grow that seed. We might only see these people for a minute or for a second or for one brief period of time, and then it's up to someone else to grow that. So if we sow love into people, what does it do? Well, love connects. It bridges the gap no matter what the gap is. I think sometimes we forget that God is love. Like it clearly says in the Bible, God is love. Most people quite often, most people hear that God is judgment, that God is the judge, and there's, there's a lot of biblical, um, a lot of biblical uh, evidence to back that up as well. But have a think about it for a minute. So if you were going to be judged, all right? So if you were going to be du- judged, wouldn't you want the one who loves you unreservedly and is the living embodiment of love, who describes love to be such a part of his character that it's a synonymous with who he is, so God and love, God is love, to be in charge of your fate and supposed punishment? Did I say that too fast? Did that not make sense? Wouldn't you want the one who loves you most to be in charge of your punishment? I'd want God to be my judge because he's the one who loves me more than anyone else. The thing that we have to understand is it's a rigged system. (laughs) It's a biased system. If God is our judge and he is love, he's biased towards us. He's looking for every reason and every opportunity to let us off. And if that's true for us, how much more so for those that are still carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders? Motivated by love, we run towards messes that others... uh, Sorry, uh, motivated by love, we walk towards messes that others would run from. Danny Silk puts it this way, we are free for a purpose, that purpose is love. Love comes from God who is always working to heal and restore your connection with him and other people and bring you into healthy, life-giving relationships. Fear is from the enemy who would like nothing more than to keep you permanently disconnected and isolated. So when we've got these, um, when we've got these seeds, when we're looking at sowing faith, we're looking at sowing hope, we're looking at sowing love, it's actually not up, it's actually not up to us to worry about if it's going to germinate. It's not up for us to judge whether it's good soil or bad soil. Mm. Does that make sense? We, we don't look at the person and go, oh, no, they, they just won't receive that. It's, that's not actually up to us. Yeah. See, I think the reason, um, one of the really cool things is it says preach the gospel to all creation. And so that, that makes it really easy. So who should I preach the gospel to? Trees, rocks, dirt. I don't know about you, but I've met people before and they're like rocks. There's a wall. Should I preach the gospel or not? Well, I'll preach the gospel to all creation. Okay. Yeah, so don't worry if it falls on bad soil. Think of broad beans or mustard. There's certain crops that you, that, that you use as a winter crop in order to restore nutrients to the soil. Mm-hmm. So it conditions the soil for the next seed to be planted. So don't worry if there's certain crops that fail or there's certain seed that just comes to nothing. Some, some crops are meant to fail, so it, provides, it conditions the soil. It makes the, it makes the heart ready for the next person. Mm-hmm. So what's the application for us as Christians then? Um, and this is where um, Pastor Carl Lentz comes in. He, he has this message which I, um, which I love. And, it talks it, and the message itself talks about occupying all streets. 
So the gospel teaches us to occupy all streets. Don't miss the point of salvation. The point of our salvation is not to hide away from the world and hold on until Jesus comes back. It's not, let's wall ourselves up in our wee church and it'll be like the zombie apocalypse. If we see anyone unsavory come along, get them. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's not to hold on until Jesus comes back. It's to immediately occupy all streets, every area of our, um, of our society. You didn't join a country club. We don't have a gym, I'm sorry. Um, you joined the greatest movement of all time. Your street may be different from my street, and my calling might be different from your calling, but the purpose is the same. Point people to Jesus. It's not about your job title, your position, the label, the box that you put yourself in. None of those things define you. It's about your destination and the one who sent you. It's not about who you are, your name, the names that people have called you, your job title. It's about who you are and the one that sent you. It's not about your gifting. Your job is not your calling, but it might be the mission field you're called to occupy. So your calling might be to drive a bus, but your purpose is to point people to Jesus. Uh, Mark 16, 15 says, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach gospel, the gospel to all creation. 2 Timothy 1, verse 8 and 9 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our God, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So I guess the thing that I'm trying to, uh, I've, I've been, I'll land the plane in a minute. Um, the thing that I've been trying to, to encourage you guys is, that occupy, is to occupy your street, occupy your sphere of influence. There's an area of responsibility that you have that no one else can get to. You're uniquely crafted and custom made to impact your world for good and for God. Do it like it's the last thing. Oh, God will bless you and give you favor. Do it like it's the last thing you'll ever do. That's when the city will change. I wrote down here, where you are is where you're supposed to be, which is an interesting thought. Might be for a season, it might be forever. We need to occupy new streets. There, have been, there are streets that have been occupied by the wrong people for too long. You might be called to be part of the fashion, music, film industry, or sports or financial world. Places not typically associated with pointing people to Jesus. People might not understand why you're there, but if you know why God has you in this street, then what they think won't bother you. If you occupy your street long enough, God will validate you. Bill Johnson talks about sometimes that um, if we operate in a spirit of breakthrough, it means that we're operating in the opposite spirit to um, what's currently there. And one of the things that we've found, um, particularly in this area, um, and particularly amongst our young people, um, the, the two spirits that we sort of feel are quite often there is the spirit of isolation. So our young people quite often isolate themselves. And a spirit of despair. Despair is just another word for hopelessness, complete hopelessness. And we see that time and again in um, our statistics, our statistics for school and our statistics for around the area in terms of um, 
tragic deaths and in terms of all kinds of stuff sort of show that we're well above where we should be in terms of some of the really tragic stuff that happened. See, if we're going to operate in a spirit of breakthrough, we operate in that opposite spirit. So instead of a spirit of isolation, we're going to be the connectors. Instead of that spirit of hopelessness, we carry a spirit of hope. We begin to throw seed around wherever, wherever it'll go. So hope, so faith, and so love. So I'm just going to... Um, what we're going to do, what I'd love to do actually, is I'm just going to put a... Um, You can see me changing my mind right now. Um, I honestly, um, honestly think that there's people in the room, which is always a super awkward thing to say when there's only a few people in the room. Um, There's people in the room that for a long, long time, um, um, there's almost been this fear of showing exactly who you are. Um, there's almost this fear of, oh my goodness, but if I show myself, if I sow, this, if I sow seed, that's going to like reveal, reveal me almost like a, um, alter, an alter ego. My secret identity is going to get exposed. Um... I believe that there's people in the room who there's been, it feels like there's been a shrinking back for a really long time. Um, and so, I don't know about you, but, you know, the picture, the picture that I get, and I know it's a really awkward thing, this is what happens when I try and prophesy, uh, or give a word of knowledge, this comes out like this. The thing that I see is that you, um, in the past... Um, you used to sow seed like all the time. You used to have faith for it. You used to have hope for it. You used to confidently expect that stuff would happen. But over the years, it's almost like you've got um, like Tyrannosaurus Rex arms. You know, like have you ever seen a Tyrannosaurus Rex make the bed? Like you can't. Like, anyway, sorry, that's a terrible time for a joke. Um, but it's almost like this shrinking back, and it's almost like there's this. Um, it's not quite deformity, but like a, 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 the word that I keep hearing over and over again is this shrinking back, and I see this sort of like, you're still trying to do some stuff, but it's like that. I believe God's going to release you from that today. I believe that today's a day of um, uncovering. Today's a day where restrictions are going to be released. Today's a day where um, uh, <laughs> there's going to be a line drawn in the sand. And there's no longer going to be a shrinking back, but there's going to be that expansion again. There's going to be that. Um, there's going to be a, a faith. The faith tide's going to rise. The hope tide's going to rise. The love tide's going to rise. And it's almost like the, the um, tent pegs are expanding again. The area of influence is expanding again, rather than the small hard shell. Um, it's almost like an. It's not quite an explosion. That's kind of a weird thing. But there's this. Um, this expansion that's going to take place. So we're just going to put some music, uh, just one more song on. If, if that's you today, I'd love to pray for you. If, that, if you just want prayer for anything, for healing, salvation, whatever, we'd, we'd, we'd also really love to pray for you as well. Um, if you don't know what else to pray for, pray for the gathering now. That would be amazing. That would be so good. Um, we'd, love, we'd love for you to do that. But God bless. Have an awesome week. But if that's you, we'd love to pray for you. Amen. Amen.